Hello and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we talk about strange things that happen in history. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hey! Hello! Hello! Now, now I'm going to immediately go back on the way I was talking at the beginning because we are talking about a serious matter. Oh. A serious matter that the government doesn't want you to know about. <laughs> this isn't a conspiracy podcast, Barnaby. It is now. Oh. <laughs> yes. You mean we're not doing French law? <laughs> I thought we were a French law podcast. We are a French law and conspiracy podcast. Of we are course. we are a very niche podcast uh <laughs> looking for that niche audience of those who are really interested in the history of French law but also woke okay. to to all the stuff that the government does around the world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So conspiracy theories are obviously pretty rife. Um, I think they always have been, but obviously in modern day social media means that some of those more fringe views Mm. get more airtime than perhaps they should. And then people start to believe in satirical ones. Yeah. Like, I think there are actually people who now believe that birds aren't real. Yeah, And that started out as a joke. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you and I kind of enjoy these conspiracy theory stuff. We've talked before that we listen to This Paranormal Life where they cover some of these things. I love a good conspiracy theory. Yeah. Especially when people start trying to make things make sense, like the Flat Earth one. Yeah. There's a big wall that stops the water <laughs> falling off. Yeah. And that's the Arc- no, that's the Antarctic. Yeah, it's a big wall of ice. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, like, we can enjoy these without necessarily believing them or thinking there's any credibility to them whatsoever there's mm-hmm. stuff like australia isn't real oh that, that one's true that the moon makes people sick i've been to australia i know it isn't real <laughs> <laughs> um but the thing is that there are some that are rooted in fact and i'll it's just the twin towers isn't it no 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 <laughs> careful with that shit okay uh, <laughs> but there are occasions when particularly the u.s government but we'll see that that's not it's not only the u.s government has done some dodgy stuff to its citizens in the past okay uh, most famously i can think of mk ultra Ooh. which was the kind of unknowing experiment well it, experimentation on unknowing uh test subjects yeah through use of lsd and other hallucinogens and stuff like that yeah it was a great time when the u.s government discovered lsd yeah <laughs> but this is kind of in a similar vein okay it's, we've already done the one where they tried to give LSD or similar things to Castro, though. Yes, that's true. But this was the US government testing on its own citizens without their knowledge right. on a mass level. Okay. So in 1977, the US Senate Subcommittee on Health and Scientific Research held a meeting to discuss the US Army's use of civilian populations to test the potential effects of biological weapon attacks. Right. And they said, don't do that. Well, the thing is, the army's already done that. Oh my god. Okay. And you'd think that maybe this was one big thing, and they're like, hey, don't do this again. No. Newspapers and various committee hearings reported that the US military, since 1950, had conducted 239 experiments to measure the effects of bioweapon attacks on civilian populations. What? Yeah. Okay, is that 239 separate yes. experiments? So not even 239 people? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. As you will see, the numbers of people affected 
go into the millions. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. It's and some all... of these people are still alive, presumably. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. Uh this is also just on a side note. This started three years after the inception of the Nuremberg Code, which were measures that had been set up after, you know, the Nazis okay. to basically put limits on human experimentation and yeah. sort of codify how you can do that. Because obviously human experimentation happens, but the, you know, you have to be really informed about what you're doing. Yeah. You have sure... to sign up for your experimentation, right? Yeah. You also have to make sure that as far as you know, this is not going to hurt people in any way. Yes. Um, of course, various different scientists would kind of break this individually. Uh, psychologists particularly had seemed to have a fondness during the sort of, during the 60s and 70s of basically torturing people. Um, but we're not talking about psychologists today. We're talking about the US military. <laughs> sure. Okay. Wait. So three years after the Nuremberg Code said, don't experiment on people without them knowing about it. The US, the US military. military was like, that sounds like a great idea. Let's yeah. do that. Okay. Essentially, yes. Fantastic. I like that they waited three years. Like, yeah. maybe they were like, uh, should we? Yeah. Should we? So, yes. despite the fact that, as I said, there are 239 experiments, clearly we do not have time to go over all of them. So, I'm only going to look at a few here today, one of which is actually not American. Oh. Ooh, find out which country, which country's government experimented on its own people later. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't think you can put a hook like that like five minutes into a podcast. I reckon I can because I just did. All right, fine. <laughs> so we'll go to one of the earliest ones. It's late September in 1950 and a US Navy ship off the coast of San Francisco began deploying giant hoses to spray <laughs> two kinds of bacteria into the air. What? Seratia marcescens and Bacillus globigii. Wait, okay hold it because yeah. normally when you get these like conspiracy theory type things it's a little village in the middle of nowhere nope this was san francisco wow yeah. um there's actually sure. there, there was a good reason for this so they actually sprayed over the course of a week from okay. september 20th to september 27th right and the thing is when they sprayed out this bacteria it came out as a sort of misty fog now, hey, San Francisco is very a very foggy. foggy city. I've been there. There yeah. was fog. Yeah. So in September, which is one of the sort of peak fog months, I think. I'd imagine so, because it would still be coming up off the sea, but it wouldn't be hot enough to disperse it. Exactly. So that's a good time to just, you know, introduce a bit of extra fog. Sure. No one's going to notice a bit of extra fog in oh the foggiest city ever. Sure. Okay. And of course, people didn't notice it. The scientists found that all 43 of their monitoring stations that they had set up at various points around the city detected this bacteria. Okay. Or the two kinds of bacteria, I should say. Okay, so they've... It's definitely spread around them. Oh, yes. What does this bacteria do? Well, the reason they picked these bacteria were because they believed them to be inert. They basically did nothing except exist. Okay. So what's the point of the test? Well, the point is that they could measure the bacteria. What they wanted to measure was how far biological weapons could spread. So that if someone, you know, put something nastier in a giant hose on a ship off the coast, then... How far would it go and how many people would it be able to affect? Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. So this was known as Operation Sea Spray. 
Makes for sense. obvious reasons. I mean, it's it, normally these things have like slightly subtle names. This <laughs> is just not subtle. No, They're this spraying is... shit from the sea. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, according to Leonard Cole, the director of the Terror Medicine and Security Program, which is um, just amazing. Terror medicine. Yes. Like actual terror, like terror, like scared. I think as in like effects of terrorism. Wow. Uh, this is at the Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School. Uh, he wrote a book called Clouds of Secrecy, which documents the military's secret bioweapon tests over populated areas. Right. And he wrote that nearly all of San Francisco received 500 particle minutes per liter. In other words, nearly every one of the 800,000 people in San Francisco at the time were exposed to the cloud and at a normal breathing rate inhaled 5,000 or more particles per minute during the several hours that these particles remained airborne. Oh my god. Now, as I said, though, the the military, they'd done some due diligence. They were like, this bacteria looks inert. Let's Was use it inert, this. though? Well, there's some debate about this. Because, like, maybe there's a difference between a small amount of this bacteria and all of it in uh, your lungs. Yeah, and also the population, yeah. who it's affecting, <laughs> what it's coming into contact Old with. Old ladies. I will say, since then, both of these bacteria have been described as pathogens. Great. Um, but it's unknown exactly to what extent they actually had an effect on the people there. Okay. Hospitals did record that there were 11 cases of very rare UTIs, uh, urinary tract infections, really? that appeared at the time. Okay. Yeah. And these were something that hadn't really been seen before, this particular kind of UTI. But it would be kind of weird to get a UTI from something you were breathing in, though. Well, quite possibly. And I think this is one of the reasons why there's some argument as to whether or not this was actually, you know, a result of the military intervention. Yeah. Um, The military certainly said that these people just picked up this UTI in a hospital. But others argued that basically these people might have had a UTI that then got seriously worse because of the presence of this bacteria in the air. Sure, okay. And this was particularly enforced by the fact that of these 11 people, there was actually a fatality. Oh. A man by the name of Edward Nevin died when the bacteria from his UTI spread to his heart. Oh my God. And this bacteria was found to contain Serratia marcescens. Oh no. But of course, the question is whether or not the bacteria caused it or it just kind of hitched along for the ride. Yeah. Because the UTI wasn't just, you know, if it was just this bacteria... Yeah, and that's a pretty solid case. But I, mean, I think there was more going on there. It it doesn't sound like it helped, though. No. And I mean, I have to question how many men die of UTIs. Well, I mean, UTIs in men can be pretty serious. That makes sense. I mean, think about stuff like cystitis as well. Or yeah. like anything sort of similarly affecting that area can be... They, they tend to be more common in women, but yeah. they are more serious in men. I guess UTIs are kind of weird and understudied anyway. Oh, yeah. Like, in older people, they can... Because they're gross. <laughs> <laughs> they are gross. But, like, in older people, they can cause dementia symptoms, yeah. which... Why? Yeah, That's exactly. bizarre. It is bizarre. And, and then you just make them drink some water, and then they get 100% better and don't seem to have dementia anymore. Yeah. It's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. And I think that's one of the things that kind of muddies the waters a bit. And it definitely seems like the American government agreed because Edward Nevin's grandson actually attempted to sue the military. All right. Uh, But his lawsuit failed because basically no one could prove that there was a direct causal link between 
the spraying of this bacteria and his grandfather's unfortunate death. Yeah, meanwhile, all of these um, like high up military governments are like, yeah, it only causes UTIs. No one can track that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, in 2005, the FDA did state that Serratia marcescens bacteria can cause serious life-threatening illness in patients with compromised immune systems. Right. And the San Francisco Chronicle has linked several other health crises to colonies of Serratia marcescens bacteria that had developed and basically thrived in the city after yeah. being introduced by the military. That makes sense. I was assuming they weren't, like, bleaching the place down afterwards. No, no. Especially because this happened in 1950 and none of this came out until the late 70s. Great. Uh, Although I do have this image of like some San Franciscans, you know, standing, standing, looking over into the harbour, being like, what's that boat doing? I know, right? It seems to have some really big hoses pointed right at us. (laughs) Or the other thing, (laughs) perhaps... Or the other thing is that you look out and there's just a huge cloud of fog. It's like, is there a boat in there? I can't see because the hoses are just going 24-7. New conspiracy theory. San Francisco isn't actually that foggy. It's just (laughs) always been the military. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the other bacteria they used was Bacillus globigii, which has had a couple of names over the years, including Hey Bacillus, which I know... (laughs) Hey, Bacillus. (laughs) It's the new Hey Arnold. (laughs) Um, That has also since been classified as a pathogen and has known to be a cause of food poisoning. Oh, God. Which I think just goes to show that scientists, when you think something is inert, it probably isn't always inert. Yeah. Like, it's gonna do something. Like, maybe it will do something if you spray it over a whole city. Yeah, exactly. Um, Now, as I said, I'm not going to talk about all 239 experiments, uh, but I am going to talk briefly about one and more in depth about another. All right. But as I said, the US government was not the only country that experimented on its citizens. (gasps) Our own fair government experimented on the citizens of Britain. Oh my God. Between 1953 and 1975, there were... A number of tests known as the DICE trials. Now, DICE is an acronym. Okay. And for the life of me, I haven't been able to find out what it's an acronym of. Are you sure it's an acronym? People weren't just hurling DICE at citizens to find out what happened? I have absolutely no idea. Okay. Um, But they basically did the exact same thing. Oh. They used aircraft uh, flying along the coast around Dorset. Right. And sprayed various bacterial agents yeah um initially they used uh zinc cadmium sulfide as a simulated agent before moving on to bacteria because it was easier to detect okay fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay but this okay this kind of makes more sense to me because they're not spraying a whole city like obviously people live in dorset but not as many people as live in san francisco Mm. Well, I think that in a way it does make sense. If America is obviously much, much larger than Britain. Mm. So if you were going to commit a biological attack, you would aim it at the cities. Sure. And while you probably would do something similar with the UK, you the UK is more vulnerable to it just being sprayed in the air and it would spread around the place. I because, guess. you know, it's a lot smaller. Sure, sure. Like, you could just target London, but you could also just target Kent and hope that it moves over London. 
<laughs> Probably. Although now I've got this image that the US government were really worried that it was the Japanese that were going to attack them with bioweapons, <laughs> given that it's San Francisco. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, because that's the right coast. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, incidentally, the... So this was conducted by scientists from Porton Down, and they did move on to, as I said, they moved on to bacteria rather than zinc cadmium sulfide. Yeah. The bacteria they used, Bacillus globigii. Oh, great, the pathogen. Yep. Also known... Hey, Bacillus. Exactly. Exactly? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, God, there's too many Bacillus here. Um, yeah, so the early results clearly showed that one aircraft flying along the Dorset coast while spraying its agent could contaminate a target over 100 miles away. Oh my god. They could cover an area of 10,000 square miles. Mm. So, yeah, I think this is this is why it makes more sense to just sort of spray the countryside. It makes sense to me now why John Wyndham was so worried about things like triffids. Yeah. It's it, like... it does have that sort of idea, doesn't it? In fact, yeah, that's exactly how the triffids disperse in the book. Is yeah, because they a... get sprayed out. Well, I, I, I believe an aircraft is supposed to have been shot down and yeah. then it accidentally unleashes its payload of triffid seeds. Either that or that's like what they think might have happened because a lot of it's them conjecturing yeah. without actually having any facts. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like the idea that you could spread something all over the place yeah. and then it would cause massive untold damage. Yeah, I think John Wyndham definitely was reacting to what was going on at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Although to be fair, I, I can't actually... Uh, Day of the Triffids, I think was written... It might have been during these trials, but I don't think they would have been known about. No, but he's picking up on something Absolutely. that's going on, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Incidentally, I would recommend people to read John Wyndham because I think his books are great. They're fab. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, let's move on to the third trial that I'm going to talk about. Go on. And this one, I think is, is it's mad for a number of reasons. Okay. So this happened in 1966 in New York. Oh my God. Why are they going? Okay, Americans, why are you going for all these big population centers? Do you mean New York, New York or New York State? Uh, no, New York, New York. Oh my God. Not New York State, mm. but New York, New York, New York, New York. Yeah. <laughs> New York. Um, <laughs> New York, New York, New York, New York, New York. The city's so great they named it five times. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was on an evening in 1966, a bunch of US Army scientists went onto the subway system. Oh my God. Now, some were carrying secret air sampling equipment, which apparently they hid in boxes or on their belts. I don't know how bulky this stuff was. I'm imagining these things are huge. Yeah, I'm just imagining, like, what's that on your belt? That's my Walkman. Was that a thing now? No. No. That's not a thing yet. What do you have in your belt? It's my wallet. I'm very wealthy. (laughs) Please mug me. (laughs) They mug them. And it's just air sampling equipment. What the heck would you have? I mean, I suspect what it was is just something that, like, a filter that would catch the air and then you just take it back to an actual lab. I don't think they're doing in-field sampling, just, like, studies. I've got the image of them wandering around looking like the Ghostbusters, you know? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I That's what I had in my head when I wrote this, but I, I think it's more just like, you know, 
you almost like a wet cloth or something okay something very discreet yeah something that can just you know pick up any bacteria that's in the air and then later on they can take it back and be like so now we can analyze it sure sure um so various scientists as i said were deployed around to get samples of the air while other scientists were at street level right Dumping a load of dust down gratings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then one of them decided to stand over it like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they, they wouldn't work that way. They were dumping dust down gratings into the subway system. Yeah, but those are the ones that the subway goes under, right? And oh, I see. Up. That's why Marilyn Monroe is standing over oh, one going, Oh, hey. right, I see. Well, they were kind of wanting it to go in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, but it would have blown back up at them is what I'm saying. Well, possibly. But... Uh, this dust were many trillions of organisms of Bacillus globigii. Oh, great. And what and they, they were like, take that, you beatniks. <laughs> well, what they found was that when this dust fell through the ventilation system onto people, mm. they just kind of brushed it off and went on with their day. Like yeah. some people looked up at the grating, but no one really cared. I take it the subways were filthy. <laughs> I mean, they were, and I think they still are. I mean, could you imagine being on the underground? Like a bit of dust falling on you is probably the least of your worries. I'm going to say, and a lot of this sounds like just I've traveled everywhere, but I have been to the New- on the New York subway. Yeah. It is not as pleasant as the London underground. Fair enough. And, and and it's not really as deep either. At least that no. was the, impre- the bits that I was on weren't. And it's not as widespread or large yeah. or tangly. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah. even even the London Underground, for being cleaner, is still... It's not that clean. It's not that clean. And I mean, obviously in times of COVID, we worry about people coughing on us. Like, there's pathogens down there. Yeah. It, it, it's there's not... pathogen- pathogens down there of which mankind knows not. Exactly. So I think really, if you are on the New York subway, a bit of dust on your shoulder is probably the least of your worries. Until it turns out it's got... Bacillus globigii. Bacillus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um... So what they found was, obviously, this spread extremely far. Yeah. But they did some more studies and found an even more effective way of dispersing the bacteria than, you know, just dumping it down a grating. Because right. that's that's a bit conspicuous. That is a bit conspicuous. I guess the idea is, like, they're interested in how somebody trying to attack New York would do it. Well, so they do come up with a more efficient delivery system. Great. <laughs> So once... meanwhile, the Russians are just watching their plans and being like, oh, so that's how you do it. Well, I think this was this was partly to, for defense, but also partly because, you know, not it's not just America and Britain that have a subway system. That's They're true. in South America. There are those in Russia as well. Yeah. So I think part of it was, you know, hey, maybe we could do this. Ooh. I mean, that would be against so many codes and conventions, but... Never mind, we are still trying to blow up Fidel Castro with a brightly coloured shell. Exactly. So we might as well. (laughs) I forgot about the brightly coloured shell. How did you forget about the brightly coloured shell? Oh my god, I've just remembered it and I've just remembered how... (sighs) It's okay, no one did anything about it. (laughs) Oh, let's put a shell there. Hopefully he'll be like, what an interesting shell and pick it up. (laughs) Go I back to listen our, to our episode about the assassination attempts on Fidel Castro because it's all mad. <laughs> so, as I said, they came up with a more effective way of spreading this bacteria. 
So once again, they send US military scientists into the subway system at various places with their uh, proton packs of air sampling equipment. Perfect, yes. But they also send uh, some scientists to a particular subway station on 23rd Street. Okay. Armed with light bulbs. Okay. The plan was that they would get on the train, Mm. open the window and drop these light bulbs out of the windows when the train was moving. Because these light bulbs each contained 175 grams of Bacillus globigii. Right. That totals 87 trillion organisms of the bacteria per light bulb. Oh my god. Okay. So obviously what would happen? The light bulb would smash mm-hmm. and the movement of air around the train would immediately drag the bacteria along the tunnel system. Right. They found this was an extremely effective way of dispersing it. 5 minutes after dropping the light bulbs at this one station, the bacteria could be detected at every subway station between 14th and 59th Street. I mean, sure, but also imagine if they sent a secret agent to Moscow to try this situation out on the Moscow um metro system. Yeah. You'd have people going Comrades, what is that man doing? He's dropping light bulbs out of the train. <laughs> This does not seem like comradely behavior. (laughs) Is anyone here a member of the secret police? Everyone's like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, I think that it kind of, it is effective because it's a way that you can transport it without it, you know, getting on you. That's true. I guess it's less obvious than dumping it through grates but at the same time chucking a light bulb out a window is hilarious i mean but the thing is you get people who like chuck stuff onto train tracks just to watch it smash like i i i don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that you know you hire some teenager be like hey here are some light bulbs smash them on trains like yeah. yeah i guess yeah Well, we don't know the exact reasoning for it, but as I say, it was incredibly effective. They estimated that it took each passenger between 4 and 13 minutes to be exposed to the bacteria. Jesus. And over the course of a week, over a million people were exposed. Okay. So ultimately, the results of these experiments showed, you know, these, these subway systems and cities in general were really vulnerable to biological attacks yeah uh after the 1966 experiment it was concluded that if such an attack did play- take place it could effectively disable new york city mm. and obviously there are far nastier things you could be dropping in your light bulbs than bacillus globigii absolutely which the plague yeah exactly yes or i believe there is a similar bacteria which creates anthrax oh great yeah uh, one little side note, they were nearly rumbled in their attempts to do this light bulb plan. Oh, yeah? Because one of the scientists walked into the subway system smoking a cigarette. Right. Which apparently in New York, you weren't allowed to do at the time. Really? Yeah. So okay. he was stopped by a police officer. Okay. And the police the officer... police officer was like, comrade, you cannot smoke here. <laughs> They were like, we haven't even got to Russia yet. (laughs) Why are you speaking like that? (laughs) 
But the police officer basically asked, hey, what are you doing? You know, you can't do that here. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm out of state. I, I, I didn't know that was the rule here. Right. And the police officer was like, oh, you're out of state. What are you doing here? He was like, I'm smashing light bulbs, mate. Well, the guy did say that he was uh, employed by an industrial research group and produced some papers to the effect of this. These were papers that had been distributed to all the scientists in case they were accosted. Apparently, they were really dodgy. Like, obviously, they were fake. Yes. But apparently, they were kind of obviously fake. (laughs) I don't know if this was like a secondary experiment to see what would happen, but it does seem that the police officer was like, okay, fair enough, on your way then, just make sure you don't, you don't want to smoke in the subway system. We don't want anything harmful getting into the ventilation system. Meanwhile, the scientist has all these light bulbs inside his coast. He's just, hee hee. Oh my God. (laughs) That's so... (laughs) it's just a good thing he wasn't like hello comrade I am from out of state I did not know I could not smoke cigarettes down here (laughs) why are you rattling what's in your coat (laughs) just opens up it's like those people selling watches it's just a load of light bulbs I am selling light bulbs (laughs) you want fluorescence you want energy efficient (laughs) I have them all don't take that one that one looks really weird it's full of dust (laughs) That's for people who want the dusty light bulb. <laughs> for dust lights. Yes, you have nice speckle effect of light on the walls. <laughs> so ultimately, I think that they probably did get some decent research out of this. And it did mean that they were able to, you know, beef up some of the security in these places and make them less vulnerable. And tell the police not to trust really dodgy looking papers. Yeah, but... It shouldn't have happened. This is not something that should have been done. I, d- I don't think... I think there were there were probably other ways that you could have tested this that didn't involve just dumping, as far as you know, inert bacteria yeah. onto various populations. I'm just glad it wasn't LSD, to be honest. Exactly. It could be much worse. And maybe in future, we'll do an episode about some of those worse experiments. Because, I mean, not just stuff like MK Ultra, but as I've said before... I have so many stories of psychologists doing dreadful, dreadful things in the name of science. <laughs> we just want people to be happy, though. We can't tell them all of the sad stuff. Okay, fair enough. In that case, we'll end it there, and I will say thank you for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4, and you can email any episode suggestions to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song and Nitrodus, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used in this podcast. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and invest in dusty light bulbs. Bye!